What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean. Good to be back here with you. Sure thing, Derek. And it's a big time day for John Calipari. You know, we talked about this on the first episode of Wednesday, and John Calipari will be laying his head down tonight feeling a lot better about the direction of his 2021 recruiting class. Uh, Kentucky did sign all three commitments. Derek UK announced them throughout the afternoon. Uh, Damian Collins was first, and then I think Bryce Hopkins was Bryce Hopkins second, and then Nolan Hickman, or was it flipped? I think that's I think that's right. How you said it could be wrong, but I think I think that's right. And two of all of out of all this. Uh, Hickman, of course, was a surprise. Like we we did that episode in August that his his commitment came out of nowhere. But two, this class kind of it just had one guy in it up until a couple of weeks ago, Derek. And then Hopkins and Collins committed about maybe five days apart, six days apart, somewhere like that. Uh, so that ended up being a big week for Cal. Honestly, I think of all three of these guys, I think that I'm the most excited about Collins, though. I think that he's actually the biggest piece of the three because you're starting to see some of the buzz around his name with the highlights and, uh, you know, the national analysts and all their praise that they have for him, Cal's praise for him. Uh, Derek, he kind of fits the mold of some of those elite rim protectors that John Calipari has had at Kentucky, and I think that he's honestly the biggest piece to this class, and it's a big deal to have him early and in the fold. They're not really backing down either from expectations for him. Whenever he committed, they always do the video of the, the little kids sitting in front of the TV watching highlights, and they had Anthony Davis as his comparison. I don't know how many other guys they've done that for. Maybe you know. Probably nobody. I've, they, I've never seen Davis in a highlight tape of any of those guys. I've seen MKG, uh, the, you know, Darius Millers and stuff, but never have I seen them use Anthony Davis. That's, pre- that's pretty big. That's big shoes. That is. That is. And uh, – you know, I agree with you for sure. Hickman intrigues me just because he was so unknown at the time that he committed, and it seems like he has steadily gone up the recruiting rankings. But, um, you know, uh, I, I just think I think the point guard spot is going to be there's there are some options I think next year. It won't just be him. Whereas with Collins, I mean, sorry, you know, he's graduating. It sounds like Isaiah Jackson's really impressing people. Maybe he goes one and done. I mean, you could see a real scenario next year where Lance Ware and uh, Collins are they're going to be a lot asked uh, from them to, to to contribute in the way that Collins protects the rim. He's going to play next year, so I do think he's for sure the one. Not sure what to think about Bryce Hawkins, honestly, Sean. I um he kind of feels like a guy that they're not going to expect a ton from immediately. Maybe not. Maybe not. He's ranked much higher than a guy like Cameron Fletcher, but I could see kind of similar shoes next year where uh, 
he just eases his way in. He could be a guy maybe in year two who helps a little bit more. And t- when you look at Hopkins, he's he's not the most athletic player. Like when you turn on the tape and see it, he's more of a uh, – I think he's going to be one of these guys that has to use his body more than his athleticism. And I think that you could see – I guess what I'm trying to say is I think his impact at Kentucky is going to be long-term more than short-term. Like I just don't know how much he's going to factor into – you know, what they do next season now, if they have a mass exodus and you lose Isaiah Jackson and some guys that you didn't expect you were going to lose, then maybe his impact has to be greater than what I'm expecting it to be. But uh, he has a very good IQ, though, Derek. Every time I've turned on tape and watched him, he he doesn't force things. Uh, I think he understands how to play with his size, and I think he'd be a guy that would benefit from probably a full season in the program and a full season in the weight room to kind of use that to his advantage where maybe he lacks some athleticism. I agree with that. Uh, still a good piece to have and somebody you can probably count on, you know, not not really getting discouraged and leaving at the first side. I mean, I know – I mean, he could be the guy that we're all talking about next fall. You know what I mean? You never know how it's going to turn out. Um, it's a class that I believe actually dropped down to number three in 24-7. I believe somebody passed them in the short term, but still – they're still in that range, though, where if Hunter Salas commits, um, he seems to be the biggest fish out there. I know Jaden Hardy is still a name, but he's not really – doesn't seem like someone that UK is going to get at this point. But I guess, Sean, the signing period started the day. Do you know the day that it ends? I know it runs for, what, two weeks? Like yeah, I, and I don't know. I don't think they're going to get anyone else. You know, I, I mentioned that I thought that Salas would kind of pull the trigger. But it looks like that, you know, he's going to hold off until the spring, which honestly surprises me, especially given that there's not going to be any visits or anything going on. But maybe, you know, he just wants to take his time with his decision and see exactly what happens. Uh, How are these coaches going to evaluate talent, you know, moving into the spring? Like, who are those late bloomers that Cal will target, like the Johnny Juzangs or, you know, pieces like that, that you're not going to have really the option to see much of, uh, I like the three pieces that they have, though. I like that they have a point guard. I like that they have a, a four-man. And I like that they have a big man, an, an elite you know, rim protector. I think now what you want to do is you want to fill this roster out with an elite guard, which would be Salas. And then if you can add a shooter to the mix of this, it would be the perfect class. And then you go the grad transfer route or the transfer route in the spring to kind of piece out your roster around whoever returns. I think it would be the perfect fit. Uh, but I'm with you, though, on, on Hickman. I think he's the most intriguing because we really don't know a ton about him. But he plays with high-level talent, which tells me he's good. Like, he plays with the Palo Banqueros and, you know, all those guys out in that part of the country and on the AAU circuit, which tells me the kid has a lot to his game. Uh, Hopkins, I, like I mentioned, I think his impact is going to be long-term. I do think, Derek, that he's the type of kid that I could actually see struggling defensively when he gets to Kentucky because he's uh, – He's going to have. To, he's going to be matched up on some athletic players. Plus, he's six seven. He honestly reminds me of a Chuck Hayes type player, just with his frame. Uh, but I don't think that he's going to have the impact that a Chuck Hayes, you know, Chuck Hayes did as a freshman. But just as far as his body and some of his style of play, uh, I think that's the kind of, you know, maybe attitude and game he needs to take on to make an impact at Kentucky right away. Is just you know learn how to play undersized uh, as a less athletic player. Yeah, and his big thing right now is he's, you know it's when they can rub into Louisville on the recruiting trail. You know he decommitted from there because of the pending allegations 
against Louisville's basketball program and uh, doing this stuff long enough, I can already tell you every preseason story written about Bryce Hopkins next year is going to be about that. It's going to be at least some kind of theme. And until he starts making plays, that's kind of going to be his uh, just what he's known as. So either way, Sean, I guess it's obviously a different year in recruiting and how they've had to go about this. And I'm not necessarily asking you how you think it stacks up against other classes that were ranked higher or whatever, but just what what when you have this three-man class right now, what is just your overall takeaway from the kind of kids you guys are trying to get for next year's team? I mean, when you look at it, and they have one five-star and two four-stars, you can see the change. Uh, typically, this would be three five-stars, Derek. I mean, that's just what we you know, is grew it a change in the past. that they wanted, or is it something they've had to deal with because – they aren't getting some of those other kids. That's a really hard question. It's a and it's a really good question though, and a fair one that I think I'd want to see another cycle to see what they do, just to see. But then again, I, honestly, I th- I think they're targeting. I think they're taking a different approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, just given that that things are changing, I think what you're having to factor in now is the risk reward of targeting top talent that you may lose to the G League. You know, like a Jaden Hardy. Uh, I don't think you can afford to sit there and put, you know, 12 to 18 months in on someone and then you lose them to the G League and not have an an option. Like, it's better to get Nolan Hickman for three years than it is to get Jaden Hardy for none. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. Jaden Hardy for one year, you would take over Nolan Hickman for three, in my opinion, just because I think Jaden Hardy is the better player, much better player. But you just, I just don't think you can be. As we've heard it, you know, we've heard this mentioned multiple times, being left at the altar. Like you just, you can't put yourself in that position to where you're scrambling, and then, and that's the thing too. Like these late additions to these classes in recent years, like the Jamal Baker, never fit at Kentucky. Johnny Juzang, I didn't think fit at Kentucky. I honestly think that they were just emergency options because they they felt like they needed a shooter, and they did, but it just never worked out because honestly. Let's put it this way: how, how many guys does Cal go in on late that it pans out? Like it just it doesn't work often. I mean, typically it's the the guys that they target for a long time, or you know that that commit early or something, or sign like they did today that kind of work out the most. The guys that sign late or just come out of nowhere haven't worked in the past. You can go back probably as far as 2015, 2016 when they've got some of those pieces late in classes. I just I think that those emergency guys in the spring, they just haven't worked out. And I just, I think that honestly a change of approach is better because then you can evaluate who fits your program and your, your style and your philosophy the best. The big losses, and I guess he's not technically a loss yet because he's not necessarily signed anywhere, but Jaden Hardy, I'm just trying to think back a year ago when we were talking about 21, the two names, the two big ones, Sean, Jaden Hardy, Paolo Bencaro, Paolo Bencaro, whichever way you say his name. Doesn't look like they're going to get either of those guys. And then I would say also to some extent, and maybe there'll be some pushback from people on this, I'm just thinking Kennedy Chandler was a guy too that seemed like UK was pretty interested in at point guard. I think that was a bit tough pull just with his Tennessee ties anyway uh, and AAU and things like that. But those are some of the big names that were thrown around there for a while. And let's say they don't get Har- or Hardy, but at the same time, if you can pull Salas, maybe the fastest rising kid in all of college basketball, combo guard, uh, that's pretty good haul still. And I don't know. I'm just looking up and down this list. I don't know if there's going to be anybody else from this 
that I see come to UK, perhaps I haven't, did they offer, no, they didn't offer Epton Reed. I'm getting confused with the other, the kid in 22 that they offered, Duran or whoever. So not a, not a ton of huge losses, I guess, but at the same time, um, I like the class they're bringing in, but Ben Caro, I think would have been a pretty big signal back that they yeah. were back to recruiting some of the elite of the elite big man again. Well, I mean, let, let's put it this way. There was a reason they weren't recruiting Damian Collins to begin with. It's because they were going all in on Ben Caro. Uh, when you lose Ben Caro and you see that you're not getting things, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, like I, I think that you might have found a diamond in the rough in Collins because I do think that Collins projects well uh, just with some of the things that he can do with his length and you know his wingspan and just the ridiculous athleticism above the rim and some things that you're seeing. I mean, he had a rejection on Ben Caro in a video the other day where it looked like a volleyball spike. Uh, I mean, that that's a pretty good option to fall back on, but without Jay Lucas, do you even get Damian Collins? Like, this this class could look a lot different right now if Jay Lucas wasn't on staff in Lexington. Uh, but I'm with you, though. Those were the three names. I, I would have honestly predicted that one of them would have been committed and signed with Kentucky today. Uh, but that just goes to show you that the names that we're looking at right now for 22, they might not even be on the radar by next November. Like, it, that, that's how much it changes. But overall, I, I like what Kentucky's doing with this class. I, I think I like Cal's approach. Uh, you also have an option with Sky Clark, who's committed for 22 right now, that this class gets significantly stronger if he decides to reclassify and – and I think that's just a thing where, you know, you get, if I, I, I'm confident, Derek, I think they're going to get Salas in the spring or at some point. And then you look at Clark and you kind of just let him look at the roster. And if there's no Devin Askew or Davion Mintz or anybody there in the backcourt, then you can look and say, okay, you know, come, come get here a year early and we'll learn to, we'll figure out how to play three of you together because we've done it multiple times. Yeah, and I don't want to make it seem like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth either because I've been someone who's been a proponent of Cal changing up his approach a little bit to try to land more kids who are multi-year guys. And it doesn't have to mean four-year four-year guys, but I, I, Hopkins and Hickman are probably kind of exactly what I would have in mind, actually. I think the challenge now is, and what I don't know because I've not talked to these kids, like in their mindset, are they one and done? And is it going to be a disappointment to them if they aren't? If, if they're not that way, if those are guys who come in who understand that they need some work, and I'm just – maybe they won't need any work. I'm just speculating based on where they're ranked. You would think they'll probably need at least a couple of years. If they take that approach and you mix that in with the potential transfers and grad transfers, I think Cal can have a real formula there. So this is kind of the start, and I just kind of want to see the way that those kids next year approach this thing because that could be a, a really winning formula for Cal going forward. Well, what I think that you're going to see, and, and you don't see it this year just because it, it kind of had to cycle itself out given the roster that they had last year, uh, and then Keon Brooks being the only returning guy from last season, I think what you're going to see Kentucky's roster look like is a lot like it did last year with more sophomores you know, making plays than freshmen, which you're still going to have your elite freshmen, but I think you're going to have more Emmanuel Quickly's or you know Ashton Hagens, things like that, mixed in with a Tyrese Maxey. That's, that's the approach that I think that Cal's going for now. Uh, you don't get it this year, of course, with Keon, but I do think that you're going to have two or three guys back off of this team that are going to be very good players and leaders next year to mix in with this group. And then I think this class has a lot of guys in it, Derek, 
that will be at least two-year players, and then you kind of keep that cycle going. Uh, I think the thing that Cal would love to avoid now, it's, and here's the thing, every time he has a huge you know, exodus of talent out of the program, it usually means they've been to a Final Four, won a national championship, or had a really good season. But if you can get to the point where you're still attaining those goals and getting to the Final Four and you're mixing in you know, sophomores and losing guys and you know, still getting guys back, I think that's the perfect blend, especially with the transfer rule and everything. And honestly, I, I was always factoring in Jacob Toppin into this class because I didn't think he'd be eligible. And I think in my mind, I'm still factoring him in as kind of coming in with this group too. Because I just don't, we just don't know exactly what his impact is going to be this year. I'm leaning the other direction. I think he'll get opportunities early, but I'm leaning his, his impact will be next year more than this year. That's, um, it's trying to do something that's an impossible task because Kentucky basketball is so much turnover. Let's try to think about the roster for next season and what kind of what a, a good roster would look like. And the way I'm thinking of it is you know, I want to see Keon this year before I just automatically write him off to the NBA because he seems like the kind of kid to me who's not like, I've got to get out this year. I don't know if you get that vibe from him. The vibe I get is he's I've, here and he wants to get better. And I don't think I've he's never – I've never got the vibe from his dad or anyone that, that this is a – he has to leave after two years yeah. I, I don't even say after a three-year deal. Like I just feel like that that kid has had the, the right mindset, and honestly I think it comes from home because I don't think his dad's ever put the pressure on him to leave just because he's at Kentucky. I, I got the sense when I interviewed him in Atlanta too a couple of years ago when there was still North Carolina and Indiana in the picture that regardless of where he went, there wasn't pressure to leave after a freshman season. And and I'm with you. Like honestly, if if I were making predictions right now, I think he's at Kentucky as a junior. Like I just I think that honestly, Isaiah Jackson might be the guy that you lose uh-huh. instead of him this season. And and here's the thing too. I know, I know a lot of people will you know hope that Isaiah Jackson comes back for another year. But look, let's put it this way: if Isaiah Jackson leaves after his freshman season, Kentucky probably might be a Final Four team this year. Yeah, I'm starting to write these out. But the way I was thinking of it, the way a roster can be constructed, you could have two juniors next year. Well, I guess technically uh, Dante's a redshirt freshman, but he was in the same signing class as Keon. You could have two guys in their third year and Brooks and Allen. I could see all three of Askew, Ware, and Fletcher coming back. Um, There's five guys right there. Uh, And also Jacob Toppin as well. That'll get to six because he's more or less not signing class now too when he came up with those guys. You're obviously going to have all three kids you've already signed, plus probably a kid like Hunter Salas as well. And that'll probably put you somewhere around nine, ten signees if they get somebody else. And that leaves you three spots, Sean, to, unless I'm forgetting somebody, three spots to work with the transfer market, which Cal has shown that he really likes adding the transfer bigs. So I'm thinking he could have an older team uh, next year if it works out that way. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows how many games live and get played with COVID. So I think it'll be a good chance for him to uh, to have a good mix of old guys, and it won't be a deal next year where you're having to have 10 new players come in here. So I'll be really interested to see how this roster ends up shaking out. I'll let you give your thoughts, and I'm going to jot down some of his names and throw out a potential lineup. Well, yeah, that's what that's actually what I was going to say to do is, you know, I'm going to, you know, just ramble on in my head right here. I, you know, we've mentioned, you know, Podzimski and stuff. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, he picked up an offer for a reason, Derek. So I think that's a kid that you watch into the coming months and see how it goes through the spring. Uh, I do think that you mentioned, you know, Cal targets big men. 
during transfer or, you know, the grad transfer route and things like that. But I, I could also see them adding a big and then adding a shooter if they feel they need one. You know, maybe a grad transfer that can score, you know, for, on the perimeter. I could I could see them going that route, depending on exactly what happens with Sky Clark. Yeah, I've got some names jotted down here. How about this starting five next year, Sean? How about Devin Askew, Hunter Salas, Keon Brooks? I guess as of now, I'd have to go with Lance Ware and Damian Collins. But I, I get the feeling they're definitely going to add another big, though, somewhere along the line, whether it be uh, a guy like Sar, like a Reed Travis, who is a proven commodity. I think that's probably the most likely route. But So that could be a lineup of uh, sophomore, freshman, junior, sophomore, freshman. Much more balanced. Uh, a lot more balanced. And, and I think, too, you're, I think they'll – honestly, I think they'll target – one of the top big men, whoever that is. It's probably a name right now, Derek, that we're not even aware of uh, that they'll target. Like, I just – I mean, who who knew Olivier Sar's name, you know, at this point last year? And also, going to throw this out that if Jaden Hardy does decide he wants to go to college, uh, he could really set UK over the top next year. That could be he a could. sick lineup if he comes to UK. And that might be something that, you know, you look at in the spring, he might look and evaluate and see, you know, do I go to the G League? Do I go to Kentucky? Do I go to UCLA or wherever? Uh, I don't know. I think it's a long way from over with him. I don't think that it's a guarantee exactly what he's going to do. Uh, but it will be something to watch. And Devin Askew coming back for a second year I think would be huge. If you can get a second-year point guard and then you put all these pieces in there with a possible junior Keon Brooks. And like you said, we still have to see Keon, though. We said we have no idea. Like, Keon might come out and set the world on fire. But I do think that there's a reason why Isaiah Jackson has garnered so much praise. And to me, that's the guy that might be standing out at that four spot. I wonder if Cal would go with the approach of, because I know he likes having these veteran bigs come in, and I, there's a lot of logic behind it. I don't. Do you know? Do you have any idea if the Jalen Duran kid is a possible reclass come spring? Because he could be a guy. who's one of the top ranked kids. If you could get him, he would almost seem like the most talented, probably out of anybody you could get. I'm not sure on the reclass, but I think when you're throwing out names of guys that would be immediate impact next year, if they did reclass, he's in the mold of that. Uh, I think any of the guys that you see in the top five, I think, could flip classes and be you know, an instant star in college basketball. I, if you're ranked in the top five of your class, you're elite. I mean, you're elite in, in the terms of high school basketball coming into freshman college. And uh, I don't know. We, you don't really see – I don't know. Kentucky, they've not really had a ton of reclass guys with the, with elite prospects, have they, like in no. the top five. It's typically been, you know, the Devin Askews, the guys in the 20s or, uh, you know, pieces like that. Uh, Sky Clark, possibly. You know, like we mentioned, that is another guy that, you know, could decide to reclass. It, it, I think Cal has a very good insurance policy there with with Clark that you can kind of look and see how your roster is filled out. He can look. Uh, to me, though, if you can keep him in 22 and you fill that with Salas or somebody else, uh, then you've got a really good jump start on your 2022 class as well. K- Kentucky's in a better shape for 22 than a lot of people are especially given this extension and stuff into recruiting dead periods and no visits. Uh, it's a pretty big deal that they have Scott Clark in 22 to kind of start recruiting for that class as well. And I think now that's what you're going to see Cal shift to here in the coming weeks is 22. 
I agree with that. Um, still, you can project the future for UK basketball. Still looks very bright. Uh, if this is, if you want to consider this slipping and recruiting, they're still lending. <laughs> Uh, they have currently have the number three class in the country, but if they add Salas, they'll be pushing for number one. Uh, I don't know if people know this or not, how close people follow it, but uh, actually Michigan has the number one class right now. Juwan Howard, uh, they landed Diabate. And, and those two teams will play. Yeah, those two teams will play. I think college basketball is better when Michigan's good, in my opinion. Like I just, I think that that's a that's a fun program in Michigan. I think it's really cool. I always had a lot of respect for both those Michigan schools. Michigan State as well, a great place to uh, – you know, CBS gets those Sunday Big Ten games, and uh, I don't watch a whole lot on Saturday. But, yeah, on Sunday they kind of get that primetime game early in the day, and Michigan State's on there a lot. And, of course, Michigan, I mean, what, two two national championship appearances last decade? Didn't win either of them, but uh, lost to Louisville in 2013 and then lost, uh, obviously, to Villanova. That's right, yeah, Charles Matthews and those guys uh, – made it so beeline made that a great program and i guess while we're on the college basketball subject sean she thought there because it was a team uk saw a few times in the tournament uh greg marshall uh, was yeah. reported by stadium that he would be out after uh he had some allegations against him in terms of mistreatment of players and things like that and that's been a, probably about a month long or more investigation into that program so for the time sean he seemed like one of the hottest basketball guys around and uh, maybe there's a reason he never made that leap from wichita state to uh, any of the power five schools yeah, I mean it's uh that's a painful close. I mean cuz the I mean you're talking about a coach that I mean they were 34-0. I think 35-0 and after they won the first game of that tournament when Kentucky upset them that year and it's kind of uh it's kind of been a slow fall from that. You know, they were good the next year. Uh they were good 2 years later Kentucky beat them in Indianapolis and that that's kind of the day that I think everything kind of just fell apart. Uh when you had his wife the public you know, incident there that day, which was just embarrassing, honestly. Uh, I couldn't imagine Ellen Calipari or anyone associated with the U.K. coaching staff acting that way. Can you imagine how embarrassing that would be just to have to handle that? But then, but you're right. That was a guy, Derek, that his name was being thrown out as, you know, some of these elite jobs in college basketball. Heck, he was he was on some people's short list to replace Cal if it ever happened in Kentucky. You could say the same thing about uh, Sean Miller. Yeah. And stuff at Arizona. Like, there was so many names on that list that I think you can absolutely just remove now, which makes it kind of a, a messy process whenever Kentucky has to replace Cal. Because there's, I just don't think that there's that clear-cut guy out there that you see. Honestly, if you ask me who it need, who I would target, it would be Jay Wright. Uh, but Jay Wright's won two national championships now, and I don't see him leaving Villanova just because of that. If you had had a coach that hadn't won a national championship, I think it's easier to leave a place. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think Cal's setting himself up for several more years of this. Um, so perhaps in that time, someone clearly emerges. But, yeah, I mean, we can save that for another day. That's always fun speculation. Um, but, no, I think you're right. Way, you're right. He, he didn't did, even want to go to the 76ers. So I doubt he's going to leave for another college program. By the way, did you see that Shaka Smart has hair? I did see that. It was shocking, right? Is no. that not the and it's like not just a little hair, it's a lot of hair. Yeah, he he looks like a different person. He does. Know. He's yeah. another guy. I mean, took took BCU to a to a Final Four and uh, seemingly had talent at Texas. It's just not really worked out for him down there. It's, which was the same problem for Rick Barnes. It seemed like it's just a different world. And and I and I've said this 
I, I still think that one of the hottest names in college basketball coaching right now is Nate Oates. Yep. I think he's going to remain one of the hottest names in college basketball. And, and I think he, he has an elite too. school. Yeah, I like his edge that, uh, that he has. Well, I, think, I think it would work here, probably. What, whatever Blue Blood program gets him as head coach, is uh, he's going to be there for a long time yeah. because uh, he can recruit, and he will take on whatever pressure or expectations there is. But then again, you, you see guys kind of thrive in the underdog role when they're like that, but he's kind of like, look, anybody that can say John Calipari's whining, when he, they coach at a school like Buffalo, I, I mean, I'm sitting on the front row that night in Boise, and I'm like, man, this guy has some guts to come out and say that. And but then he had the guts too. To, he had he was able to come back out and say that Cal's team kicked his tail, like he didn't run from it. Yeah, and that was something when he got to Alabama. He did. I mean, I don't I don't think he poked the bear at all last year, did he? I think he, he just did. pretty much stayed. Uh, and he didn't have a horrible team last year. I think they were right around 500. But uh, while we're on the topic of some other SEC teams, we'll just. Since this was a recruiting episode, if you go out 24-7 sports composite rankings, UK has a top class in the SEC, followed by Will Wade, Teflon Don down there uh, <laughs> at LSU. Will Wade at the number two class. How, and then Alabama is number three. They, they actually have a five-star committed and two four-stars. How, so how, really how is Will Wade still have a job? Like, like how do you still – like, I mean – if he were in any, class, I mean, uh, if he were in any other profession, though, he would be fired, right? I mean, like, yeah, I, would, I don't know how he survived. Like, honestly. is there anything? Is there anything more corrupt than college basketball coaches right now? College football, like, yeah. Well, college just in general. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you mentioned the Marshall thing. Like, it's taken a while before they even really responded. Like, we heard all these allegations and stuff a month ago. Which I guess you have to do the investigations and everything, but right. at the same time, like I mean, they have Sean Miller and Will Wade and all these guys on wiretap, like saying things. They're not look, they're not just randomly spitting these words and phrases out into the wind just for the hell of it. I mean, there's there's something to it, but then again, they still have jobs. And they do, and Will Wade's got a good team this year, and <laughs> uh, I, I think Nate Oates is building towards that. I'd you'd rather have. LSU's higher because they have one more commitment and it's pu- pushed them up in the uh, point rankings. But Alabama's got one five-star and two four-stars. And that's on top of a class last year. Let me look. I think it was very good last year as well. I know they signed a five-star uh, last season, Josh Primo, I believe was his name, or Harvard Primo, something like that. That was a little bit lower, actually. It was sixth. Um, but it was actually – there were some strong classes. It's, it's going to be a really good freshman class, uh, freshman classes across the league in the SEC. And depending on how these teams close, it looks like it's going to be a little bit of a step back this year. Yeah, and I've I've been on the Alabama hop train for a long time, and uh, we'll come out pretty soon. I, I think probably next week we'll probably pick our order of finish in the SEC. Yeah. I'm assuming on this show just to, you know, get ready. It's two weeks from tip off uh, tonight. Well, if you're listening to this episode on Thursday. Then tonight you'll get UK Pro Day. You'll kind of you'll get your first look at Kentucky. They'll I think they'll be without Keon Brooks, correct? Derek will be the only one yeah, that probably one. won't be on the floor. Uh, so you're going to get a look at exactly what Kentucky's got. It's going to be interesting to see you know exactly what they do and some things that they do participation wise. Uh, but Pro Day is always a cool thing to look at uh, too. There I think we can all agree there will be some significant overreaction to some things like last year when we watched Nate Sestina shoot 
I think we all thought that Nate Sestina was going to hit like six or seven threes a game and some things like that. But uh, so I guess I will say just hold back on your hot takes and just kind of let them digest. And I would watch a couple of games before I would uh, go off anything that we see on this pro day. But, Derek, I will say this. There will probably be a couple of hot takes for me after I watch that tomorrow night, just uh, diving into things. I'm excited about it. This is my favorite time of year, not just for Kentucky basketball, but sit back and watch college basketball and kind of dissect it. And uh, I'm that that is this will be my favorite time of the year for this podcast because I'm going to dive into the basketball side of things big time. Yeah, I mean, just in general, too, in a normal world, uh, some of the best time for college basketball really is those preseason turn or not preseason, excuse me, uh, the Thanksgiving, you know, you always get those tournaments in Maui. Uh, I know there's tournament in Orlando. You get some of those other ones that are very good tournaments around Thanksgiving, and you got football on as well, and uh, you can be around family and friends, and it's uh, typically a good time. It'll be a little bit different this year. Probably won't have any basketball on really before that. But uh, either way, like Sean was talking about with the pro day, that'll be a big emphasis of Friday's show along with our – we might end up breaking that into two, actually, Sean, if there's uh, if there's enough that well, comes out of that. We might be able well, to split that up. Well, that's what I was going to say is uh, we might look and see, you know, what time it is tomorrow night about recording or whatever reaction to it. Uh, I'm not going to be able to watch pro day live unless something changes with my schedule, so I'm going to have to watch it on uh, on replay. Uh, probably be watching around nine Eastern time. Uh, I'm going to watch it more than once because I want to dive in and see exactly what's going on. And, and just uh, then too, we're going to have Jimmy Dykes on next week to come on and break things down exactly what he's seeing from this team. Uh, you mentioned you know being around you know friends and family, and it's that time of year, Derek. But it's always that time at the Butcher's Pub with two locations: one in Pineville, Kentucky; one in Williamsburg, Kentucky. Uh, if you're it was Wing Wednesday. Uh, moving into Thursday and all the specials that they'll have, you can get out to the Butcher's Pub, try that delicious buffalo chicken sandwich, all those delicious burgers. Uh, for any type of menu items or questions, you can visit the butcherspub.com. Specials. Derek, is there anything else you'd like to add? I'm good. That was a good episode talking some hoops, and we'll be back at it tomorrow. Sorry, I had a microphone problem there. Okay. I think I still have a microphone problem. Now. Awesome. Uh, so if the audio changes there, I think my mic changed. <laughs> uh, but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.